learn about the fertility awareness method. I think personally, every girl should learn about it because you get to know your body. What's more you know, brilliant than that to understand how your body actually works? Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific big kid problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have on an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill. Thank you so much for tuning in. We just crossed the halfway point of season two last week, and the theme of this fall season has kind of been like back to school. And on that school theme, this episode is kind of like the health class episode. It's a little different from most of the episodes we do here, but as your 20-something Sherpa, I think it's super important to talk about hormones, birth control, and fertility. I like to think that I created this podcast for my younger self, and just to paint a quick picture of younger 20-something Sarah, um, she wasn't exactly concerned about fertility. In fact, if she could have snorted birth control, I think she would have. But birth control has all kinds of effects on the body that I know I wish I knew about sooner. And especially now that I'm in my 30s, I have all kinds of questions about the long-term effects, how our hormones affect us mentally and physically, and what we all need to know about fertility if we're waiting longer and longer to have babies. So this episode I have on Nina Boyce of the Healing Hormones podcast. She is a hormones and anxiety coach who will help us understand our hormones better and teach us ways to nourish our bodies when our hormones are getting out of whack and making us, you know, moody, stressed, or how I personally like to describe my own PMS, um, very stabby. (laughs) I don't know if that's just me, but I get extra stabby. Um, then we'll hear from CEO of Modern Fertility, Afton Vetchery, who is changing the game on fertility testing and awareness for women. We'll talk about her revolutionary work, which is making fertility testing more accessible and affordable, what fertility testing even does, and what she wants you to know about your reproductive health. I know this one is pretty female health specific, but to my guys listening, I think this is all super important information to know, especially if you have a female partner and want to learn more about preventing or approaching pregnancy. And just quick disclaimer on this episode in general, I am obviously no doctor and all the opinions I share are obviously my own. So Anything we talk about on today's episode, please just take with a grain of salt. And I highly encourage you to continue the conversation with your OBGYN or primary care doctor. So with that being said, let's just jump right into it, guys. Stay tuned and we will be right back. 
Since we're talking about wellness, before we jump back into the episode, let's talk about shrooms real quick. I'm talking, of course, about mushroom-based beverages from Four Sigmatic. Drinking functional mushrooms has a ton of health benefits. Their collection of teas, coffees, hot chocolates, and elixirs are so satisfying throughout the day, and the mushrooms they're made with have been known to benefit immunity, energy, longevity, and just overall health. And I know drinking mushrooms might sound weird, but it doesn't actually taste like mushrooms, and there are so many benefits. Take the mushroom coffee with lion's mane. It is real coffee made with 100% organic coffee beans, but contains only about half the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee. Functional mushrooms have been known to support the adrenal glands, so that makes a big difference for anyone who wants the productivity of coffee without the jittery side effects that can lead to stress, which I don't know about you, but my stress already has stress, so I need all the help I can get. Oh, and many of Four Sigmatic mixes come in these handy little packets, so they are super easy to make. You just mix them with hot water, and they are just great for travel or on the go. So if you want to try Four Sigmatic, I have a special offer just for our big kid listeners. Go to foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code at big kid at checkout and you'll get 15% off your first order. That is foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout. All right, everybody, we are here now with Nina Boyce. She is a hormones and anxiety coach and the host of the podcast, Healing Hormones. Nina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm excited too. I mean, this is a lofty topic. Yeah. Oh man, it's been something I've been passionate about for like four years and I cannot stop talking about it. Amazing. I was going to ask you how you kind of got into this like area of like hormonal information. So about four years ago, I started to have some intense uh, health problems. And it really started with anxiety for me. And it was basically because, I mean, for years and years, I mean, the story could go back till I was a, since I was a kid, but I just kind of lived in fight or flight. Didn't even know it. Just like overworking my body to the brink, doing a million things at once. Um, but it wasn't really till I started my full-time job as a choir teacher. I was at two buildings teaching over 500 kids. I was planning a trip to New York with them to sing at Carnegie Hall. I was getting a master's degree. I was getting married. I was just crazy. And all of a sudden, my body started to shut down. I was getting migraines. I stopped getting my period consistently. I had terrible cramps all the time. I had cystic acne under the skin, like bleeding, painful. But even all of those symptoms, I was like, okay, I can deal with this. But then the anxiety really hit, which I didn't know at the time was very hormonal. So I went to the doctor and I was like, I'm a a wreck. Like I can't focus. I have so much anxiety. My body is breaking down. What's going on? And all they said was get on anxiety meds and my gynecologist told me just get back on birth control after I'd been on it for seven years. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. Like I'm trying to fix my body, heal my body, but nobody was giving me answers. So I ended up doing my own research, getting my own, you know, getting a certificate for holistic health from the Institute of Integrated Nutrition and just dove down, sorry, the hormonal road. And I haven't stopped since. You haven't Absorbing all of the information. Yeah. Because women just don't know how we can really heal the body. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I mean, like right off the bat, you mentioned that um, hormones have a lot to do with anxiety. Yeah. Go on because (laughs) I don't know if I necessarily realize that. And I've been in the same boat. Like I've had like pretty bad, I've I've had bouts of pretty bad anxiety and same thing. Doctors have been like, yeah, here's some Xanax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the (laughs) options. It's like, and I remember when he told me, because I have 
had anxiety about taking anxiety medication. He was like, well, it's fine. We'll just give you Xanax to then help you with the Lexapro. And I was like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like just keep, they keep stacking it on. So basically, we have two sex hormones, two main sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And these two hormones really affect our mood. So estrogen is what gets us like feeling good and energized and feeling um, even like kind of sexual and like on on the go and can keep us going. Progesterone is what calms us. So it's actually our natural anti-anxiety medicine, but Mm. it's just our natural hormone. But a lot of women right now are dealing with too much estrogen in their system and low progesterone. So what's happening is we feel amped all the time, but we don't have enough progesterone to help to calm us down. And this is a lot to do with just our busy lifestyle, always on the go. And so I realized I ended up doing hormone testing and my progesterone levels were so low, which later I find out was contributing to the anxiety because I didn't have that hormone to help calm me in the second half of my cycle. Interesting. What do you think? So you mentioned stress. Is there anything else that like will keep those levels, not, you know, the estrogen level high and the progesterone low? Yeah. Like are there, are other things that cause that to happen? Yeah. Well, stress is the main thing. So if you think about it, you have two stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. And so whenever you're amped up or even in traffic, even the littlest thing can set off a stress response in the body. Yeah. And so unfortunately, cortisol and progesterone share the same precursor, which is called pregnenolone. So when you have too much cortisol in your body, it steals from making enough progesterone. So the more stress you have, the less progesterone you're going to make. So stress is huge. But then also we have so many things that are um, estrogen mimickers in our society. So for example, soy, have you heard about soy being a phytoestrogen? So I I feel like I've heard that in guys, like my my fiance wants to stay away from all soy because he's like, oh, there's estrogen in there. And I'm like, is that real? Yeah. So it's called a phytoestrogen. (laughs) So your body, it kind of reacts the same way as estrogen, except it's a plant-based estrogen. So your body mimics it. And so that raises the estrogen in your body. But there's also things like in chemicals in our beauty products, pollutants in the air. I mean, our body just gets way overburdened by not only these estrogen mimickers, but by chemicals and toxins in general. So this might tell me if this is getting a little too detailed. I know, <laughs> like break it down for us. Okay. Like. So basically our liver is what helps to detox toxins from our body. And so when we have pollutants in our environment and phytoestrogens and estrogen mimickers in our food and in our uh, lotions and everything, our body and our liver has a hard time breaking it down and detoxing it by going to the bathroom. Yeah. So it's like a two phases. Our liver breaks things down and then our gut helps us to eliminate it. But when we have so much of these um, estrogen mimickers in our body, our liver gets overburdened. And so the estrogen just recircles in our bloodstream. So women end up getting too much estrogen in their system. Mm -hmm. And then plus all the stress in our life, our progesterone is struggling. And it's almost like this double whammy from both sides. And our bodies are just like freaking out. So are there things... Are there things to avoid? You'd say, I know you mentioned like soy products or like soy foods. Like, are there any other like red flag things that you're like, oh my God, stay away from that? Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is checking your products. So if you think about, like, let's even take going to take a shower, for example. So you take a shower, you're putting whatever soap you use that probably has like, have you seen like phthalates and sulfate and <laughs> parabens? And have you seen I'm, products that are like, this is paraben free? And- I've seen the paraben free thing. I'm really bad. Like, I don't really check. I'm not like a label checker. Like, I just am like, mm, this smells like lavender. Right. Yeah. 
exactly. Well, if you <laughs> that look, is good. Yeah. Right. Lavender is calming, right? So it yeah. should be good. But it's all of these other things that they put into our products. And so you're taking a shower, you're using the soap, then you have your conditioner and your, you know, shampoo. Then you get out of the bathroom and you put some lotion on and then you top your face off with like cosmetics and, you know, we just keep loading it on. Then you go outside and you're breathing in fragrance from, you know, wherever there's fragrance coming in. And so your body just keeps building and your skin's your largest organ. And so we're just like, compiling it with more chemicals and toxins and estrogen mimickers. So that's kind of the second phase is like, okay, we'll start with food and focusing on what food's going to heal the body, but also let's start looking at our products next. Yeah. I want to get into for a quick minute about, you know, hormones and birth Mm -hmm. control, because I think this is a big thing. And I don't know about you, but I feel like our generation, maybe it's not even just our generation, but I know a lot of my friends have been the same way that like we just got put on birth control at a very young age like I got put on birth control before I was even having sex like Mm -hmm. I did it for my face because I was having acne and then my my mom was just like yeah this is the thing you do we go on birth control and then like you know we're in our 30s now and you're still on it yeah most people are still Mm -hmm. on it I got off a long time ago because I had some complications Mm -hmm. but you know people are on birth control now 15 20 years it's like half your life you've been on this hormone regulator. And Mm -hmm. I'm interested like what the side effects are. Yeah. This is something that is truly my deepest passion because I think women do not know and our gynecologists are not telling us. And it's not really their fault because they didn't, when they go through their schooling, they're not taught about how birth control affects the body, especially from a holistic standpoint. They're just taught about how it fixes, quote unquote, all of these other symptoms. And for example, acne, that's an estrogen dominant thing and too much testosterone. And so they're like, okay, when you take birth control, essentially what's happening is you're getting a lower dose of synthetic estrogen and something called progestin, which is not, which is a synthetic form of progesterone. So those two sex hormones we were talking about earlier. So your natural hormones are getting shut completely off. So birth control like cuts off the communication between your brain and your ovaries, which is not great. You know, you don't want your brain and your ovaries to not be communicating, but birth control shuts that off. It gives you a slow dose and a steady dose of synthetic, synthetic hormones. Kind of like you were a guy, like guys, hormones are very steady. Women's hormones fluctuate every week. They're supposed to estrogen supposed to rise week one. We ovulate week two estrogens rising. And then week three and four progesterone takes over and then falls. So it's like, we're supposed to have this beautiful dance of estrogen and progesterone. And it just gets squashed when Mm. we're on birth control. So what happens is, you know, if you have an overproduction of estrogen and too much testosterone or whatever in your system, your natural hormones, well, taking birth control is going to help, right? Because it's going to shut that off. And then you'll see your symptoms kind of go away. But at the same time, it's also affecting your gut microbiome. And so we have this balance of good and bad bacteria in our gut and taking birth control can, you know, affect and get that balance off in a not very great ratio, which then affects mood and appetite and weight gain and a lot of symptoms that women are dealing with that are on birth control. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, progesterone is our natural calming hormone. Well, when we're shutting that off, now you can imagine why so many women are dealing with depression and anxiety on hormone or on um, birth control because it's shutting off that natural calming progesterone that we have every month. So those are like kind of the two biggest things I see is women are having gut issues. They're having anxiety. They're having depression. Yeah. I don't know what your main symptoms were, but those were kind of mine when I was on birth control. I just felt off. Yeah. I felt off too. But a big thing, and I mean, you touched on it 
earlier, and I kind of wanted to circle back on this was like, even just like the mental health anxiety piece. Like that was a big thing for me is because like, I already had a little bit of anxiety and like, you know, anxiety, I feel like is next door neighbors to depression. For sure. They're cousins, right? (laughs) They're cousins. That's what my therapist tells me. Yeah. They're they're like pretty close. So I, when I was taking birth control, I started like knocking on depression's door and I was like, this is, uh, it just, I was like, I can't Mm -hmm. like not, not good. Aside from all the other bodily things, like I putting on weight, just like the mood, the mood piece was a big, a big factor for me. So I got off a long time ago. Well, and birth control also depletes nutrients that our body needs, like vitamins and nutrients. B vitamins, for example, if you're on birth control, it strips your body of B vitamins. B vitamins are one of the main things we need to stabilize our moods. Also like selenium and zinc and vitamin C. And so when you're on birth control and you're depleting your body of nutrients that your neurotransmitters need to function properly, plus you're, you know, um, quieting down your progesterone and all, you know, you can only imagine that your body is like, whoa, I don't know what to do with all of this that's going on. I don't have the necessary nutrients and vitamins I need to even support my moods. Would you say, so if you were somebody who's on birth control, could you supplement your body with those those things you just mentioned, mm-hmm. like by taking a B vitamin, by taking zinc or yeah. whatever? Some of- yeah, if you are on birth control, you absolutely need to be taking a good multivitamin because again, you're stripping your body from these nutrients. So that's the first thing. And you have to be really cognizant about your diet then. So eating a whole foods, uh, high protein, quality protein, high fat, quality fat, uh, diet. And I'm not saying you have to be paleo or vegan or, you know, at Whole30, I, nothing like that. I'm not into the diet fads, but you just need to be feeding your body with nutrient-dense foods because it needs it even more. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. You know what is, I think is interesting too? I remember when I, and I don't know if you've seen this, but when I was still on birth control and I was like having issues on birth control and I feel like I would go to the doctor and they'd be like, okay, we're going to we're gonna try a different birth control. Like they just kept putting me yeah, on different, different types of of them, um, like, do that, does that ever work? I, I felt like I never found the recipe that worked for me. So I'm not a gynecologist. Yeah. So I don't know specifically. I do know it's just like any other medicine. There's different, there's like the mini pill, which is, um, I don't think, yeah, the mini pill doesn't have any synthetic estrogen and it just has progestion. So that affects the body differently. You know, some women are really sensitive to, to synthetic estrogen. So a lot of gynecologist will have you switch to the mini pill, which prevents pregnancy in a whole different way. Then there's the combination pill. So that's synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone. Um, So that affects the women's body in a different way. And then there's IUDs, which are non-hormonal. And then there's the Mirena, which is, you know, so it's like, I think they just kind of, it's a test. Like try this one out for size and see if it works. Yeah. But in general, when you're putting your body, filling your body with any sort of synthetic hormone, you're most likely going to have some sort of reaction. Many women don't even know until they get off. Like I just have one client right now. She's like, oh my gosh, my libido has skyrocketed. And I didn't even know I was struggling with low libido. And I was like, yeah, girl. Damn. Yeah. I could see that. And and I'm sorry if I'm jumping all over the place. Like I just have so, I, I'm very I feel like I am too, because I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm just spewing so much. <laughs> I, I need to rein it in. But there's so many questions. So like on that piece, so- because you just brought up something else. So back to when we were talking about uh, people who have been on birth control for a really long time. Mm-hmm. A, what do you think are some reasons, like if you if you were curious about getting off, like what is that going to look like? 
be similar, but like I, I've also have friends who have been on birth control for a long time, and we there's there's always like kind of the same question. It's like, is this going to affect my fertility? Mm-hmm. Um, do I need to get off if I'm going to have if I if I'm getting married or you know thinking about kids in the long term? Do I need or in the shorter term? Do I need to get off birth control now? Like, is my body going to take time to regulate? So I'm just kind of yeah. curious about that. Well, gynecologists will tell you a very different answer, but the fact of the matter is everybody's body reacts differently. So some women's bodies are going to be very sensitive. And you know how I said earlier, it shuts off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. Mm -hmm. It can take three to six, even to 12 months to reconnect that communication for some women. Some women ovulate like as soon as they get off birth control again and the communication like stream is back on and it just kind of depends. But the thing is, when you're on birth control for that long, if you've had any symptoms, like you mentioned you got on it for acne mm-hmm. a long time ago, what's happening is the birth control is masking the underlying health issue there. So when you get off, it's probably going to come back. So that's something to know. And not to scare anybody. I went through this myself. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing that your body is screaming at you. It's saying, oh my gosh, look, you have cystic acne. You have painful periods. You have heavy bleeding. I'm trying to warn you and tell you that there's an imbalance going on and I need some love. So when you get off birth control, it's not that your body's kind of on the attack. It's just saying, hey, let's fix the underlying health issues going on. So that's one thing I say. Don't be afraid if when you get off, your symptoms come back because now we can actually deal with them. Mm-hmm. We can start to heal them. What if you didn't have like major symptoms before, but you get off and you're, now you're getting all of these crazy symptoms? That's so common. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, our hormones change and fluctuate not only monthly, you know, week by week even. Um, but as we age, imagine the differences in your stress levels, in your food, in your lifestyle. If you were 15 and now you're 25, it, things change. And so your your hormones and your body changes. So if you didn't have symptoms and now you do, it's probably because there was lifestyle, nutritional changes, stress changes that were kind of laying dormant in the body while you were on birth control. So some women, they get off it, like I said, and their bodies are completely fine. If you didn't have symptoms before, you're more likely to not have symptoms getting off of it. But you never know because your body goes through so much throughout the years. So, yeah. yeah. I have a girlfriend who's trying to get pregnant now. So she went, she was on birth control for 15 years, you know, 15 to 30. Yeah. And she got off and she's like, it is horrific that she's getting like these horrible, horrible periods that are like, and like lots of spotting and all stuff. She's like, I never had any issue beforehand, yeah. but now I'm like dealing with this. And I wonder, I, I mean, you kind of said it's, I guess it's different for anybody, but do you think taking some of like, are, are there things you can do to like kind of help mitigate some of those? Totally. Yeah. So what you were saying, like spotting, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know what her horrific por- periods are, if that's cramping or like heavy bleeding, that's all estrogen dominant symptoms. So she has too much estrogen and too little progesterone is what it sounds like. So that starts with like revamping the diet and feeding your body with the foods that are going to help to balance those. So your body, your hormones are made from protein and fat. So the amino acids and protein, and then the essential fatty acids and quality fat. So if you eat more of those, it's going to support and boost your hormones. And then also like taking out inflammatory foods. So we want to reduce inflammation because birth control increases inflammation in the body. So reducing that as much as you can, supplementing if you need to with um, some herbs that are helpful, or again, like a multivitamin, resting, stress. Like you have to calm the stress response in the body. Mm-hmm. Are there a couple of foods you would recommend? I mean, because now I'm now I'm thinking, oh, oh man, maybe I need to get my progest- 
progesterone. Progesterone. I'm like, that's like <laughs> natural anxiety meds. Yeah. Like, what, what can I eat that's going to help boost that? Yeah. So, uh, Let's see. So vitamin C is kind of like the power vitamin for progesterone. So vitamin C is in broccoli, citrus fruits, um, spinach. What else? Cannot. And like now I can't think of the rest off the top of my head. Yeah. I have a whole <laughs> list of them. But vitamin C, basically B vitamins again. So the more stressed you are, the more your body burns off B vitamins. So taking a good B complex, uh, B6 and B12. So you can find individual, you know. B vitamins, but I think taking a good complex, B complex is really, really good to help with progesterone. Um, and then I like to kind of play around with calming herbs. So if you ever have heard of ashwagandha, that helps the stress response. So basically anything you can do to help calm the body and then support your progesterone with like vitamin C. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You mentioned something to you just a, a moment ago where you're saying how your cycle changes the older you get. Mm-hmm. I'm so interested in that because I've noticed that I'm like, I, cause I feel like I'm, I'm in my thirties now and I'm like in like the peak of like my childbearing years Yeah, and like my body, I haven't had a kid yet, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my periods are just like getting like meaner. <laughs> they're like, have, the they're like, have this fucking kid. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. When you say meaner, what do you mean? Do you know? Like, it's just like, I used to have, it used to be pretty chill, you know? <laughs> like, it was like, pretty common. Yeah. Now, it's like cramp central. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's like a stabby, like very stabby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I struggle one with word. menstrual cramps, so I feel you. Again, I keep saying this over and over again. That's usually low progesterone and high estrogen when you're dealing with PMS in general. That's mm. what it means. But, um... And well, you've had a lot of changes in your life recently, Girl. right? So think about this stress correlation, stress and hormones, like go hand in hand. So my biggest thing for you is like your body is probably overworking the cortisol and adrenaline, mm-hmm. which is then depleting your progesterone. And then your PMS symptoms are like, hello, I need yeah. you to help calm me down. So I would just focus on like, can you do even like acupuncture a couple times a week or again, like taking some calming reishi or meditation. People always talk about meditation to use a buzzword. I know, but I know I'm in a meditation course right now. Are you? Yeah. How's it feel? Um, It feels good. Like I'm, I'm somebody who's tried to meditate and I'm like, I can't. But I'm like also an ADD, ADHD yeah. uh, kid. So I'm like, this is my nightmare. I sitting quiet and still. But the one I'm in right now, and I actually um, had Emily on uh, the podcast. It's her course. It's Ziva Meditation. It's like a whole other cool. like like way to do meditation. And it's actually working. Does so she far. get you into the body and try to get you out of the mind? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I tell everybody. I'm like, I... When people tell me to meditate when I'm already in an anxious state, I'm like, it's not going to happen. No, I'm just going to sit quietly and go through all right. the shit I need to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, why isn't this working? <laughs> like, on the outside, people will be like, damn, that girl is peaceful. And inside, right. it's like everything's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so I always say get into the body. So what I do is I'll put like a hand on my heart and on the belly and I'll just try and focus on my breath or I'll go for a walk or I'll do like a body scan meditation or I'll do like movement and mantra. You know, it doesn't always work when I say meditate to like do the ohm thing, you know? Yeah. But just any way that helps you reduce your stress response right. is going to be really important. Okay, that's good. So it's not necessarily like a your body's 
have like ringing the alarms like hey you should have a kid soon it's more like yeah, those other factors for sure yeah i don't think our body yeah <laughs> that's a funny way to think about it basically you are not meant to have pms symptoms i think we've been brought up to believe that cramps are, are normal heavy periods are normal basically hating our period is normal we yeah. think it's the worst thing to ever happen hate that shit um yeah exactly it's like <laughs> oh here it comes but i try and sort of flip that and so if you're having symptoms it's not that your body's freaking out because you need to have a So I'm interested. I mean, for anybody who, you know, maybe wants to get off birth control or is maybe like having for whatever reason, you know, maybe they're having all the different kinds of responses or just curious about getting off. I mean, I, I, when I went off all my, I was still in college and Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm getting off birth control. My friends were like, you're crazy. I'm interested, like, what are some of the other, let's say, I mean, obviously the main point of birth control is to make sure that you're not getting pregnant wherever you are in your life. What are some other contraceptive methods that you would recommend? So it's the fertility awareness method is all about tracking your cycle, looking at changes in your cervical mucus, which we can get into if you want. So these are the four to five days leading up to ovulation. And then after you ovulate, you cannot get pregnant for the rest of the month because there's no egg there to be fertilized. Then you can set kind of time when to have sex according to whether you want to get pregnant or when you don't. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it does. That is interesting. When you when you say the cervical mucus, yes. like, fuck it, let's dive okay. in. Yeah, let's <laughs> dive in. I remember when I first started learning about this, it was like, it blew my mind because how many times... Can, Wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I can, can I get kind of, it's not graphic, but. Hey, if, it, if it's too much, we'll just edit that shit Okay, out. okay, cool. <laughs> so how many times have you looked down at your underwear and you've seen whatever, this <laughs> this cervical fluid and you're like, what the hell is this? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, you're right. It changes throughout the month. And I feel like I don't know what, what one of these means. Mm-hmm. So a little bit, we'll do like a quick 101 yeah. on the fertility awareness method. So after you have your period, so you've just ended your period, you'll notice you have uh, dry days. So you shouldn't see any cervical mucus going on. You are non-fertile on your dry days because again, you need this fluid to help the sperm survive, you know, all of the things. So you'll have dry days, you're not fertile. Then those four to five days leading up to ovulation, you'll start to notice changes. So the three different types of mucus are one, sticky so it looks kind of like a streak in your underwear. I'm sure you've seen it. And it's a little bit flaky. You're mm. like, okay, cool. Then it kind of gets progressively wetter. So you'll see creamy. I know it sounds gross. It looks Sexy. kind of like lotion. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the one that I find like super disgusting. Most women kind of know what it is. It looks more like that lotiony type. And then right before you ovulate, it's like your peak day, your prime time. If you're trying to get pregnant, have sex on this day. It is like egg white. So it's more stretchy. It's clear. It feels slippery. And that's like the pH level. That's like the cervical mucus that the sperm is like, go time. Um, So when you notice that you're starting to get cervical mucus, that is your fertile, your fertile window. Mm. You don't want to have sex or use a condom or, I mean, there's, what's it called? Like the, the cap or a like lady dental dam yeah all those things i personally don't use them i just either use a condom or don't have sex during that time but those are your fertile days and then the day that you ovulate also fertile and the day after um you can get pregnant the day after too so once you notice if you're taking your temp now and your temperature spikes that next day you're like okay i've ovulated your cervical mucus will begin to dry up so you'll notice that change and also there's no egg again floating around so 
you're non-fertile yeah. at that time. Interesting. Do you know what my preferred birth control method is? What? <laughs> pull and pray? Yes. <laughs> I use pull and pray too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're married. Married. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's like the oldest birth control method in the book. But you know what I'll say? Yeah. Now that you've learned about cervical mucus, probably don't pull and pray during your five fertile days. Because, yeah. And I don't know if this is a myth either. I'm going to be totally honest, but pre-sperm. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's what I was always like freaked out, like in high school. My friend got pregnant senior year of high school from pull and pray. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not 100% effective. Not 100%. Not 100% effective. But we're also like, I mean, I'm in a position now and like, I'm getting married. Like we, I've been in a long-term relationship. Like we, that's also like a conversation that we've had. It's For like, sure. Even years ago, we're like, all right, we're doing this pull and pray situation. Like, if we get pregnant, we need to be on the same page. Yeah. And I'm in the same boat, right? I've been married for three years. I've been with Cody since for 10 years. So it's one of those things like, all right, I'm going to roll the dice on this. Yeah. <laughs> but if So maybe you, if you're like 17 listening to yeah. this, like, maybe don't roll the dice on the yeah. pull and pray. Like, be and aware. And do your research and learn about the fertility awareness method. I think personally, every girl should learn about it because you get to know your body. And what's more you know, brilliant than that to understand how your body actually works. So true. Yeah. Well, Nina, thank you so much for coming on and giving us so much information. I feel like a lot of people are probably going to have questions or, you know, like be curious about this if they want to learn more from you where they, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm really active on Instagram. So that's at nourished with Nina. And then of course my podcast healing hormones. Um, and you can find more information on my website, which is nourishedwithnina.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me. Stick around and we will be right back with our expert of the week. the time of year when everyone is traveling or running around getting gifts for everybody else, but it is actually a great time to treat yourself and give yourself the gift of an Audible membership. You can access an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. And it feels so good to crush your reading list all while you're commuting or at the gym or during your holiday travels. You can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two exclusive Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. And right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. And you know I love a good bargain around here. So give yourself the gift of listening this season. Just go to audible.com slash BKP or text BKP to 500-500. And hey, I mean, we've had a few authors on this podcast. So you can start with some of their books like Stress Less and Accomplish More by Emily Fletcher. Check out Audible's full selection and let me know what you pick. I'm always looking for new book recommendations. So visit audible.com slash BKP or just text BKP to 500-500. I have a little confession. I am an absolute psycho about my skincare products and I'm pretty good about eating organic healthy foods. But it wasn't until recently that I actually started thinking about the ingredients in my tampons and feminine care products. A lot of products use dyes, synthetic ingredients, and fragrances, and that's why I'm so glad that a friend of mine turned me on to Lola. Lola offers pads, liners, and BPA-free plastic applicators or environmentally friendly non-applicator tampons. 
They even have a super flexible subscription model where you can customize your box with a mix of products and have it delivered right to your door. And you can change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. So just think, you never have to have that awkward checkout where they like get on the loudspeaker and ask for a price check on Super Plus tampons ever again. That's actually my nightmare. Oh, and one more reason why I freaking love Lola. The company genuinely advocates for women. With every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. How freaking awesome is that? So I've got a special deal for our listeners. If you want to give Lola a try to take 30% off your first month subscription, just head to mylola.com and enter BKP when you subscribe. Again, that's mylola.com and enter BKP when you subscribe. Welcome back to the Big Cube Problem Podcast. I am here with Afton Betchery. She is the CEO and co-founder of Modern Fertility. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for being on. This is awesome. We are talking about fertility, hormones, all the fun, fun stuff this week. Um, So I'm interested, like what even got you... First of all, tell us like what is Modern Fertility for anybody who doesn't know? Yeah, great question and great place to start. So Modern Fertility is a women's health company focused on making fertility information more available to women earlier in life. And so our first product is the Modern Fertility Hormone Test. Uh, so essentially, it's the the same exact laboratory test that you would do in an infertility clinic if you uh, were a, a woman that was having trouble getting pregnant. And we take those same exact tests out of the clinic and make them available to women earlier in life at a fraction of the cost in a really easy to access format. So really shifting this conversation and dialogue around uh, prevent our, our entire lives being focused on preventing pregnancy and that that switch to to planning and and giving women more resources to make the decisions that are right for them. Yeah, it's it's so wild because um, I've talked about fertility on this podcast before, and it's like something I didn't really think about in my early twenties, and then like you hit thirty, and then you're like, oh shit, <laughs> like I should probably I should probably be thinking about this. So I actually took a modern fertility test. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, I, I just think it's really cool. You, you could literally go online, you know, take your little online quiz and it comes to your door, you do it and it, you know, you get some answers. Um, so I thought it was really, really cool. And I'm like, that's why I'm so pumped to have you. Um, before we even get into like the actual topic of fertility, like I'm just really curious, like I, I'm like looking at you and I'm like, you, like you look like you could be my friend. Like we could be going to brunch tomorrow, like tomorrow. And how did you build this company? Like, it's really impressive. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, let's go to brunch tomorrow. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. So, oh gosh. I mean, I, I think that there are some people like my co-founder, Carly, that just never thought that she would be running a company like like this. And then I would say my whole life has been focused and kind of in this obsessive state of like building things and and entrepreneurial creativity and and energy. And so I I love it. So I, oh gosh, I started uh, companies in high school, uh, a water quality testing company. Uh, I started uh, a a few more in college. Um, And then I I went after college to work at a healthcare private equity fund uh, in New York. And so my job at the time was to look at sectors of healthcare that were interesting, growing, had some consolidation potential. 
And as part of that, and just because of my personal interest, I was spending a ton of time in women's health. Mm-hmm. And within women's health, I started spending a lot uh, of additional time in fertility. Uh, and it was crazy because, you know, at 22, I was looking and watching the the caker, the growth rates of, of fertility and infer- or infertility on the rise. And it was just, it was crazy that nobody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I ended up leading the diligence and an investment of a, a network of IVF clinics and labs. And so it was through that process that I learned the business of infertility. I learned the science of infertility, uh, but it was really the emotional aspect that stuck with me. So I, I had to go into these infertility clinics and, and talk to women who had never been told that fertility declined with age or had never been told that IVF wouldn't work for every single person. And that experience just really stuck with me. So I ended up um, making the the tough decision to to leave private equity and move out to to San Francisco um, and had a hand in, in starting a, a few more companies and then most recently um, ran the the consumer tools division of of Twenty Three and Me. So anything that you could do with your genetic information. Mm. And it was while I was at Twenty Three and Me that I realized that I was waiting until later in life to start my own family. <laughs> yet uh, I just had had. I hadn't thought about it. I didn't have resources. And I, I remembered this baseline testing that I had learned about back when I was in private equity and I tried to, to get it. Uh, but my OBGYN said, no, you're not actively trying and failing to conceive. Like I, I won't prescribe this for you. And I was like, just to take the, just to take the test. I just wanted to test my hormones. I, I knew the value. I knew what they could tell me um, based on my, my memories from the, the private equity days. Um, and yeah, my, my OBGYN said, said no. So I had to go into an infertility clinic. I paid 700 bucks for a console. Uh, and then they gave me this piece of paper that I could go and take to a, like a Quest or a LabCorp location. Uh, but I had, and, and still do, have a really irregular cycle. So the testing, if you do get a period uh, and are not on specific types of hormonal birth control, it has to be done on day three. And so pinpointing day three and finding time to like rearrange my meetings to leave. I mean, it was this whole ordeal when I was working at a company that had a very flexible policy and and I was grateful to have the ability to to even do that. But finally, months later, when I got the results back, it was just so empowering to learn about my body and have a conversation with myself, uh, my my partner, my doctor. And it was really uh, this series of events of talking to friends, friends of friends, and eventually hundreds of women and realizing that we have all of these tools for preventing yet uh, this this switch. Uh, it's a, it's a black box, and we need more tools. We need more resources. We we want more information about our reproductive health, and and that was really the the certain amount of fertility as a, a fertility information company to fill that gap to give women more clinically sound, neutral resources to understand their own bodies. Yeah. Oh my god, I have so many questions <laughs> for you. Like, I don't even know where to start. Okay. <laughs> First of all, so I mean, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you were kind of you kind of started to think about this because you were thinking about your own life and your own planning. I'm just so curious, like, where are you with that? Like, are you are you somebody who like wants to like potentially start a family, or is that something that's like that's in your brain that you want to do? Yeah. So I, I guess in the the years since starting Modern Fertility, I'm I'm still in a, a very similar spot where I I know I want kids someday, but I'm not I when I look at other people's kids on Instagram, I'm I'm not to the phase yet where I want them for myself. I'm like, oh great, <laughs> cute, maybe that that's a lot, but 
I, I know I want kids someday, but I, I don't want them right now. I'm incredibly focused on my career. And while I do believe um, we have amazing moms that work at Modern Fertility, I'm, I'm not at the point where I, I want to actively start trying. Yeah. And so for me, it was, I, I know I want it. Uh, I want a family. I want kids at some point in the future. I don't know exactly when or what that will, will look like. Um, I have a better idea now because I, I have all of this information about my body. But you know what was... It just so insane for me during this process is when I got my fertility hormones tested, my anti-malarian hormone AMH is, is very high. And I was actually diagnosed with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, as a part of this process. And PCOS affects one in 10 women and is one of the leading causes of, of infertility because you either have a regular ovulation or you're anovulatory. And so I had a doctor tell me that I would never be able to get pregnant naturally. Yeah. Based off of your Based test. off of, of that test. And Whoa. after you know doing my own research and spending more time, I realized that it's it, it's very straightforward for, for me to get pregnant and I might need, you know, a medication to induce ovulation and da da da. da. But it just we it was crazy to me that I could have been trying for you know years and and failing without just this crucial piece of information that I have I, I'm not ovulating at the the same cadence as my my peers and so I think that just for me it was this incredibly grounding experience to understand that we have so much information about uh, the, the ingredients in our beauty products and we have uh, tools to to plan for our financial futures yet reproductive health is still this black box and and we need to yeah or I believe that women deserve more options to understand it hundred percent and it is it is kind of like a, it's like embar- I'm like a little embarrassed to admit that it's like such a mystery you know like just like the information like I feel like even just talking to you like I'm like there's so many things that I just don't really know um which is crazy. This is, you're right. Like I know way too much about like my night creams. Um, but I asked, I asked you about the, uh, where you are in your own life, because like, I just find it so relatable. Like you're out here, you're building a company, like you kind of have your own baby in a way, like you're building something you're really, really passionate about. I think a lot of us, a lot of people listening, a lot of people in our generation really are just waiting longer to have kids. Like it's just, we, you know, we are, I think we're more focused on finding our things we're passionate about. We're, we're just doing more out in the world. We're traveling. We're, we're doing a lot of experiences that I don't know that a lot of other generations had the opportunities to. And I just think it results in us all waiting longer. So that's cool that you're, you're in this too. And I wanted to ask you too, like you said that you, you got your test results and obviously, so what changed what what changed after you found those things out? Yeah, well, well, quickly on your first point. So you're right. Millennials are waiting. Longer. Sorry, I just like, and- I literally have so much. Like, <laughs> tell <laughs> no, me just to I shut up. It's, it's on. So millennials are waiting longer than any other generation in the history of the US to start our families. Uh, the average age of first birth in major metropolitan cities is 31 years old. Uh, and uh, our- that's a, that's a real stat, 31. Real stat. Oh, I cannot wait to tell my mother that. Okay, continue. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, our biology hasn't changed. So the the average age of menopause for American women is 51 years old. Uh, your fertility, the, the menopausal transition can occur up to 10 years before that. So if you think of you know women today that are 40, um, some of them can still get pregnant, um, and that's great. But it's it's not every single person. Uh, but your your fertility hormones they kind of they they customize this window a little bit more for you. So for example, let's say that you um, tested your fertility hormones and you realized that you were 
were at risk for hitting menopause maybe a little bit earlier. So let's say, uh, at, you know, 47 as opposed to, to 51. Then at 37, your body is starting to go through the, the same changes that we have in our minds uh, for women at 40. And so understanding uh, and, and personalizing where you are, we have this for so many areas of medicine, yet we it, it just hasn't been made accessible in reproductive health because there's there's 500 infertility clinics in the US today. There's only 2,000 reproductive endocrinologists and, and times are changing and the OBGYN and reproductive endocrinology subspecialty just haven't been been fully fully mixed. And so, yeah, I think it's, you are, you are correct in that, <laughs> that view. And yeah, I think for, for me personally, the, the biggest realization was that this is something that I think I would have been heads down and woke up at uh, an age where my biology might have decided things for me, as opposed to me being the one that was making that decision based on information. I, I believe that today, uh, the single ba- biggest way, um, the single big, uh, equalizer for for women is, is information, is understanding where you stand, where you are. Uh, fertility hormones, we, they don't diagnose infertility. Um, that You can't make an infertility diagnosis off, off them, uh, fertility hormones alone. But what they can do is give you more personalized information about where you are. The modern fertility experience can help you understand how age plays a role, how all of these other factors play a role. And, and that um, is something that I, I just feel like I'm in the, the driver's seat uh, because I have more information and I'm making an, an educated decision and at least thinking through it a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, it. it is like information is power, right? Can you tell us a little bit about, and we probably should have started with this, but it's fine. But tell us a little bit about like the test itself, like what hormones it's testing for and like kind of what those mean in fertility. Because like when I ordered the test and like got it home and was reading about it, I was like, I didn't, I didn't really know like what was happening here. So can you give us maybe like a general little overview? Yeah, sure. So when we were designing the test panel, um, we just uh, called and talked to fertility clinics all across the US and we asked them what hormones they were testing for as a part of that initial consult. And so we have a pretty comprehensive view and we, we customize that based on the type of hormonal birth control, if any, that a woman's taking. So it's between one and eight hormones that we test as a part of the modern fertility experience. And so I would say the, the most important hormone and kind of the, the core one that we test for is anti-malarian hormone, AMH. And that's what you said you were high in? Yeah. So I have have high AMH. And so AMH is a hormone uh, secreted by the cells that surround the follicles in your ovary. And every follicle uh, typically contains an egg. So by measuring the amount of AMH in your blood, basically a proxy of how many eggs you have in your ovaries, which is pretty cool. So wouldn't it be, wouldn't higher be good? Because you're like more eggs. Great question. Uh, so, so it depends, right? So higher, uh, higher is just important for, for you to, to know. So AMH is not correlated with your ability to get pregnant today, but it's really helpful in helping you understand uh, what we refer to as your reproductive career. Uh, so there's kind of uh, this reference range of kind of the, the low to high end. Um, and in my case, a higher AMH uh, can sometimes be associated with polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Uh, so today it's just a, a checklist. It's it's criteria that are, are used to, to diagnose PCOS, but some doctors use AMH to kind of round out and help you understand 
if if that's where your your body is. So AMH. Uh, Wait, what was that? P- I, I'm just thinking of POS, like piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's PCOS? Like, what is it? So it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's uh, one of the leading causes of, of infertility. Uh, so it's bad, like piece of shit. That's just a good way to remember it, guys. I'm here to help. <laughs> so it is It is incredibly common and it's it's something that it is just, um, yeah, the, what's fascinating about PCOS is that the, the treatment for PCOS in a lot of cases is going on birth control. And so you can go on birth control to, to regulate PCOS, but then if you actively are trying to conceive later and go off birth control and are, are trying to start a family and you have a regular ovulation or you're anovulatory, uh, you're, you're losing time and you, it, it's just an important piece of information to, to know about your, your body so you can make the right decisions around it. On the other entirely end of the the spectrum from PCOS is a condition called POI. And again, these are these are the extremes, these are red flags. We don't diagnose any of these conditions. We help you just understand more about reproductive health with these conditions kind of falling in that bucket. Uh, so POI uh, stands for um, premature ovarian insufficiency. And so this affects one in a hundred women, which is crazy that most of us haven't heard of this today. Yeah, one in a hundred, that's that's pretty common. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, like BRCA is about one in 450. And so with, with POI, um, it's, basically uh, going through menopause before the age of, of 40. And so uh, your your ovaries, which are an organ in your body, are, are shutting down uh, before the, the before average age. Before 40. Correct. One in 100. Correct. What? Yeah. And so uh, we have women that are, are reaching out to us and the stories that we hear and the, the conversations that we, we have around uh, even trying to, to get this diagnosis, you know, women that are experiencing hot flashes in their 20s and getting these misdiagnoses from doctors. It's just, it's alarming to think about the, the state of women's healthcare and information in the, the US right now. Um, but it's an area that I am uh, very passionate about. I believe there should be routine screening. Every woman should just get uh, a simple blood test to, to under understand this. But because having a baby in the U.S. is not a right and it's a pri- it's a privilege, uh, POI today because one of the side effects is is infertility. Uh, we we don't have routine screening for it because our healthcare system doesn't have the the full care pathways to deal with that. But in terms of POI as a health condition, there are cardiovascular health implications. There are are so many reasons why having your health care, why understanding if you you have POI is is super important. So can you still get pregnant on POI? Yeah. So okay. you I just don't want anyone out there to be like, oh my God, I'm having hot flashes. <laughs> I have am going through menopause and my life's over. No, no. And so I think with, with POI, uh, you can still spontaneously ovulate and and have a, a child. Uh, it's it's just it's one of these things that it's just really helpful and important to to know. Uh, yeah. And yeah, understanding reproductive health is just a it's a super part of super important part of your your general health. So we have anti-malarian hormone. It helps you understand things like red flags. It helps you understand uh, your reproductive window. So we talked before about kind of the average age of, of menopause onset and kind of where you you sit within that. Uh, and then also success in IVF or egg freezing. And so if you uh, are considering IVF or egg freezing, understanding the number of eggs in your, your ovaries 
will, uh, you can start to understand your success and number of cycles you might need to achieve your, your family planning goals later on. You can find that from a blood test. Correct. That's wild. And yeah, the other hormones that we test for are follicle stimulating hormone, FSH, uh, along with estradiol, uh, testosterone, thyroid, uh, free thyroxine, uh, prolactin, and uh, luteinizing hormone. And so we could go wow. into a science lesson on all of them, <laughs> or we can, we can circle back to, to that. But um, yeah, we have customized age result and uh, medical history customized reports on each of these hormones to help you understand what they are, what you may mean for you, your age, so you can have a, a better sense of your, your reproductive health. Yeah. What is something that you wish our audience knew about fertility that maybe they, they don't? Oh, gosh. Wow. That's such a good question. So many things I could <laughs> yeah. talk about fertility literally all day. You know, I think that the the biggest thing that I would, would share is, is really just starting to think about fertility as a part of, of wellness. I think that this is a shift that is just, is, is possible now. Uh, we are talking about infertility and fertility in, in very different ways than our, our parents did. And I think that thinking about fertility and infertility as just a part of our general health is so important because when we can destigmatize this topic, when we can have open conversations, when it's not associated with uh, all of these other emotions, we can we can start to to talk about it, to share, to to have conversations in, in really empowering and productive ways. And so I think that that, that mindset shift, um, that is really uh, that was a, a huge part of, of starting Modern Fertility and, and how we could have this dialogue in a really constructive way. Yeah. Would you say there's any hard truths out there? for? Because I know information is power. It's good to know these things. But then like, I'm just thinking of the conversations I have with like my own mother who is like, You're, you need to get started. You know, I think, I think there is some, you, there's obviously truth to a lot of that. Like, are there some hard truths that you think it, that are important to keep in mind for anybody who's, you know, out there living their best life and not really thinking about thinking about it? Yeah, I think that, that that's such a good question. And we're getting pressure from every dimension of our our life right now Ooh. of when to have kids, when to not have kids. And I I think that the the best step that we can take is is having information rather than advice. Mm. And our I mean, advice from, uh, <laughs> it depends on the clinical nature of, of that advice, right? Uh, so I, I think in, in terms of, of information, how can we have the, the facts and so we can have uh, and, and really make an informed decision? So, you know, everyone wants uh, a magic test that can tell them exactly when they should try to start trying. And if I want this many kids, here's the date and here's how it's all going to turn out and happen. And <laughs> And the reality is that that just that doesn't exist. Um, but we can get closer with hormones, and we can get closer by really understanding how age plays a role. And so, um, actually, we we launched uh, last year the the timeline tool. So if you just go to modernfertility.com/timeline, uh, you can actually uh, click and select your age, the age that you want to have your first kid, and the number of kids you want, and it kind of defaults to the the recommended inner birth interval. Oh, that's <laughs> you can understand the actual like clinical success rates of of what can conception looks like at all of these ages. And so we hear today, oh, fertility goes off a cliff at, at 35. And, and yes, our egg quality starts to, to really severely decline at the age of 35, but it's not, um, it's not a total cliff. It's a, a, a more steep decline. And so actually having information and trusting women with information is 
is so important. And, and we believe that she deserves and can handle uh, all of that information to navigate this in the way that she she wants to. And so, I don't know, this conversation reminds me a, a lot of uh, the pregnancy test when it was first invented. So doctors did not believe that women could handle finding out that they were pregnant at home and not in a doctor's office. Really? Yeah, there are uh, some amazing pieces that just walk through the the transformation and and just allowing women to take pregnancy tests at home. And I think that this idea that, oh, women can't handle finding out information, this is an idea that has just been embedded in, in so much of, of society and the medical establishment for so long. And I think that it's this, this switch to women can handle information. Women can understand more about their own bodies to have more informed conversations with their healthcare providers. And I think that that is just such an empowering and, and healthy place to, to start. I'm honestly so freaking impressed with you. Honestly, I'm like, we look the same age. I don't, I, how, how old are you? I'm 30. You're 30. You're younger than me. <laughs> oh my God. You're younger than me. Oh my God. Oh. You guys, I'm going to go scream into a pillow. Um, Acton, it was so nice to meet you. No, I'm kidding. I'm curious. Okay. You're 30 years old. You're freaking CEO and co-founder of this incredible, like transformative company. What's like, A, are you human? B, um, do you have any big kid problems? But I, I'm curious. I'm oh curious. my gosh, I have all the big kid problems. I mean, I think women's health and fertility was just something. The second that I I learned about it, I just I I never stopped thinking about it. It was something where I I think I I just became the, these injustices that exist in our world today. It's just if we if we need to spend our time working and, and doing these different things. Like this is something that I, I fundamentally believe that women deserve the right to access this information. And I am so passionate about our product. I'm so passionate about women's health. And so for me, waking up every day and trying to figure out how we make this testing accessible to, to women everywhere, like that is, I, I'm having a blast. <laughs> and we have an amazing team in San Francisco. Everything is great, but also oh my gosh, every single day is you're, you're fighting a, a, a war. Things are blowing up. You're not sleeping. You're, I don't, I don't know if I know what self-care truly is. <laughs> I think honestly, for me, like working is, can working be self-care? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like we have very different versions of self-care, let me tell you. But I think for me, you know, I used to feel a lot of guilt around the fact that, you know, I I wasn't making time for this, you know, traditional definition of of self-care, but for me, I get so much energy and enjoyment from what we're we're building and it's the phase of of life that I'm in right now. You know, we were talking about families and and kids and for me, um I I love this. I love our team. I love what we're building. Uh but but yeah, I mean my my life uh, we <laughs> we still don't have furniture in our our home. I mean it's just you know across the the spectrum. I think it's really it, it's creating that that worldview of of what makes you happy and deciding how to spend your time. And it's uh, yeah. I, I it still have yeah. all the big kid problems. Yeah. <laughs> it honestly makes me a little bit happier to know that you don't have furniture in your apartment. <laughs> like, like, I honestly feel better about myself. Um, Afton, thank you so much for coming on. This is a lot of information. And I just want to encourage anybody listening who's 
you know, wherever you are at the stage of your life, like exactly what you've been saying, like information is so important, like just to know where you are. And I think it's really cool. So for anybody listening, if you're curious about this at all, definitely check out Modern Fertility, modernfertility.com. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. I mean, how easy is that? Um, Anything else that you, that you'd want us to leave off on? Oh my gosh. Well, I think that this is just, this was such a fun conversation. And I think this is what modern fertility is all about. It's about talking about fertility. It's talking about how we we think about it in a way where, yeah, we're living at a time where women's health, there are more women's health companies, there are more solutions out there. But I think it's it's so important that we have the tools to be able to navigate the space. We have the tools to be able to navigate our own bodies and have this informed, important conversation. And I just feel so lucky to be able to to have that today with you. And hopefully, yeah, just let women know that there, there are tools and resources out there. And also we we love to hear from people. So if there's something that you want to see from us, if there's a question you have about your reproductive health, you can just and uh, email hi at modernfertility.com. And we're always super excited to, to chat. Awesome. And I'll link everything in show notes for everybody if you want to check it out more often. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys, that is a wrap on this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Maybe learned something. I know I did. Big shout out to Nina Boyce and Afton Betchery for being on this week. If you want to learn more about these topics or just connect with them, I have everything linked in show notes for you. So you can check that out to find them on social or just get more information. I'm also linking the fertility test and the online quiz we talked about for modern fertility so you can see your ideal conception window. I took that quiz and found it very interesting. So want to make sure you guys have that free resource at your fingertips. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please, please leave a nice rating and review or just tell your friends to tune in, share it on your social, do what you got to do. It really helps get the word out on this little show. And I am just so, so appreciative. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. I know there are a million ways you could be spending your time. So just know that I truly appreciate you spending it with me. And I hope to see you here next week for another brand new episode. So until then, I will see you next Tuesday.